More than a million migrants left homeless searching for hope and thousands dying in their journey. The ISIS crisis causing fear and destruction. The social and cultural issues stirring across our own land. But more importantly, there is the unrest within each person with the recognition that greater success, more money and heightened pleasure does not yield proportionate satisfaction and meaning. How do we make sense of all this? How do we find our true north to navigate through life? Finding our true north. You know, no matter where on the earth you and I are, or whether you're whether we're traveling by ship or we're up in an aircraft flying somewhere, or maybe nowadays even when you're driving and you've got your GPS on. Uh, it's very important to know our true north. North is very important. From there, you be uh, determine the direction, the path in which we go, and uh, and uh, and uh, how to reach there. Back in the days before the GPS, we had the compass and uh, the magnetic compass, and that would tell us. Uh, and that was very important. Imagine you're in a ship, and all you see all around you is water. You know, which, how are you going to determine which way to go? The compass was so important. Because the compass always pointed to the north. And from there, you determine which way you're going to set sail. And uh, there's just a little piece of technical information here. The bar magnet uh, doesn't point to the true north. It points to the, what we call as the magnetic north, which is slightly, I don't know, for some reason, it's, it's, it's off the actual geographic north points more to the, the northern part of Canada and uh, and so we call refer to this as the magnetic declination it's a variation from the true north and uh, and so you always need to make adjustments to your calculation and and recalibrate realign yourself to true north uh, even though if you're using even if you're using a a magnetic compass in, the first, uh, in today's world when we use the GPS. You don't need to do that. It does it uh, all for us as, uh, as well. But the true north is the direction along the earth's surface, along the longitude, that goes to the geographic north pole. It's, it's the precise north. Uh, and uh, each lo- line of longitude goes from north pole to south pole right across and, and, and represents the direct north and south lines of travel. So... True North is very important for us in our navigation, in our travel, and how we make our journeys. Uh, it is going to help us determine, you know, where we are, where we should go, how much of distance we need to travel, and help us, help take us to our correct destination. So I want us to just hold that thought in mind, and I'm going to briefly turn our attention to some of the events that have been going on in our world, especially in the recent years are things that have been dominating the news, making the headlines, and so on. And uh, while I do this, I just want to make a disclaimer. I am not doing this, and we are very careful not to use the pulpit for any political agenda. So uh, the disclaimer is, even though we're talking about certain things in the news, uh, this is in no way a a political propaganda or is politically motivated. Neither is there any religious antagonism as we talk about these things. I'm just bringing this to our attention uh, just to set the stage uh, to the main point that we want to get, get to in a few moments from now. The Islamic State, 
burst onto the scene back in 2014 as it seized a large part of Syria and Iraq and uh, they were notorious for their brutality, their mass killings, their abductions, their beheadings and all of this was in the news. And uh, in June 2014, they formally declared themselves as a caliphate, is a state that is governed according to the Islamic law uh, or the Sharia. And uh, it, was, it would be headed by whom they recognized as God's deputy on earth. And so the Islamic state demanded that all Muslims all over submitted to their leader, their leader come migrate to their territory, come under their control, and uh, told all, all other jihadist groups worldwide that they must accept their supreme authority. As of now, uh, the Islamic State has captured large parts of Syria and Iraq with approximately 10 million people under their control. The UN records that in Iraq itself, there were about 18,800 civilians killed through acts of terrorism just between January 2014 and October 2015. Many cities across Syria and Iraq were just left in ruins, torn down. And of course this brought the other countries, many of the other countries together. There was a US-led coalition fighting back and in Iraq uh, there were about 7,300 airstrikes against IS targets since August 2014. There were several countries like the UK, Australia, Belgium, Canada, Denmark, France, Jordan, Netherlands joining together in these airstrikes. And it's estimated about 25,000 IS fighters were killed in Syria. There have been about 3,500 airstrikes. Uh, and it includes other countries like Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates, Turkey and Saudi also being part of this U.S.-led air campaign. However, the, the Islamic State have been responsible for nearly 70 terrorist attacks since uh, right up to early 2016. They have either directly carried these out or inspired these terrorist attacks in about 20 countries around the world with an estimated 1,200 people killed so far. The most recent ones that you and I are aware of are the ones in Paris and Brussels, the one in November and March, uh, as recent as March. The other interesting thing about the Islamic State is the involvement of foreign fighters, of uh, people from several other countries. Again, here we just have estimates about 27,000 foreign jihadists who've made the trip from 86 different countries to go be part of the Islamic State many of them predominantly from the Middle East and North Africa. So therefore, it, it, it begs us to ask this question, what draws people to go be part of something so violent, so destructive and disruptive to the world uh, that actually causes terror and fear in the lives of millions of people around the world? What draws people to go be part of something like this? There is, of course... The influence of ideology, the, the thinking, the mindset that draws people. A man named Said Qutb, who was born in a small village in Egypt back in 1906. And uh, he spent about two years in the United States in the late 1940s. He was very disgusted of the way things were going, what he saw, what he observed. Even with the own Muslim people. And he felt that the West was imposing its control directly or indirectly upon uh, that part of the world. 
And uh, that even local rulers who though claimed to be Muslims were actually uh, uh, giving in to the West. And so he, Sayyid Qutb, determined or decided or came to the conclusion that offensive jihad, both against the West and against local rulers or Muslims who seemed to be actually agents of the West, was the only way to redeem itself. And in a a sense, he introduced this militant, modern day militant idea of jihad. And uh, Sayyid Qutb himself was more of a theorist, uh, an intellectual. He didn't actively take part in jihad. But before he was killed in, in 1966, he wrote 24 books which have then since been read by tens of millions of people and have influenced their ideology, their thinking, their mindset to the point where even Osama bin Laden is quoted to have said that Qutb was the one who most affected our generation, his thinking. He's also been described by other people as the source of all jihadist thought and the philosopher or behind the Islamic revolution. So, using the internet and social media as, as tools, they've been able to really influence the mindset, the thinking of many, many, many people, causing them to come and be a part what, of what they've been involved in. In fact, President Obama, as he, 10 months into his, uh, in, in his battle against the Islamic State, acknowledged this, that The IS has been particularly effective at reaching out and recruiting vulnerable people around the world, including people here in the United States and and, uh, targeting Muslim communities around the world. And and, and this is what he said. Ideologies are not defeated with guns. They are defeated by better ideas, a more attractive and more compelling vision. And so for many jihadists, the, the, the prospect of taking part in, in, in martyrdom, which would, lead, which would be on the path of Allah and, and, and give them an assured place in paradise, is for them a very compelling motivation to go and be a part of what's happening. And they do not see suicide attacks as, as, as a way of just blowing themselves up or suicide, but they look at it as martyrdom, a martyrdom-seeking operation, something that's going to take them directly to happen. And then of course there are the socio-economic factors. The fact that people are disenchanted, the young, they're hopeless, they're unemployed, they have no future, no promise. And uh, this has a big role to play in getting people to come and be involved. Especially from Tunisia, one of the northern countries up there in, in Africa, which have contributed the most number of foreign jihadists. Unemployment, marginalization and disillusionment have led to them becoming involved. And some people just slip into this. They are unknowingly drawn into becoming part of the agenda of the Islamic State. But when you and I think about all this, why people who get engaged, why people would choose to do this? There's one bottom line, one thing that you and I can come to a conclusion that people are looking for purpose. They are looking for something that compels them. Something that would really motivate them. And there is this sense of hopelessness and purposelessness. There is a need for something compelling. Some sense of direction. 
amongst us as people. One of the major consequences of what has been going on through the, the attacks and the violence of the Islamic State has been the migrant crisis. And again, you and I have been familiar with what's been happening. There have been an estimated 4.8 million Syrians who've escaped or trying to escape the Islamic State and the fighting that's going on and trying to flee to neighboring countries, go across to Europe, travel through Turkey and Lebanon, Jordan, get into Europe somehow. There have been about 3 million Iraqis who've been displaced within their own country. In 2015, it's been estimated over a million migrants traveled by sea and close to 35,000 by land, which in comparison to the previous year of only 280,000 people is a, very, is a very large number. In 2015, there were about 3,700 migrants who died just trying to cross the Mediterranean. The largest being 800 people died in the month of April when an entire boat capsized and all of them lost their lives. So if you and I pause and ask this question, you know, what would life be for these migrants? What would their view of the world be? What would they be going through? Recently, one of them was quoted as saying, as quoted as saying, I don't feel human. I'm not wanted in my own country. I have to leave my own country. And here in the migrant camps, life is so hard. A sense of purpose, a sense and a hope of a future could be the only thing that would compel them to do and take the risks that they are taking to find life elsewhere. Now, those are things happening globally. Sometimes it's so far away, it's so distant. Sometimes we feel so disconnected from it, even though we read it and watch it in the news. But back here in our own nation, in our own country, while there's a lot of good that's happening, good things that are happening, India, uh, there's increased earning, increased spending. More and more of our young people have more money in their hands at a much earlier stage in life. They're able to go out and do things and enjoy things that would not have been possible probably 20 years ago. And there are more and more Indians just traveling all over the world globally, being exposed to opportunities and things around the world. And many of us have been around and seen things. And even though all this is happening, yet we can conclude that there is that sense of restlessness. There seems to be a vacuum in our nation, in people, in our nation. Suicide, divorce, crime, and corruption. In our cities are on the rise. Drug use and violence even among young people is on the rise. And right here in our own city. And so the point is this. That regardless of what our immediate circumstances might be. All of us globally, locally and those of us seated here. All of us have this innate need. A prevailing need for a sense of purpose meaning and direction in life. All of us have that. For us, even when we recognize that even with greater success and more money and heightened pleasure, doesn't mean that we will always find satisfaction, fulfillment and meaning and purpose. Having things, having achievements, having money, doesn't just translate into meaning, purpose. So the real question is, how do each one of us find our true north to navigate through life? The question you and I would have to ask ourselves is, do I know my true north? Do I know where I'm headed? And this is where I really want to impress on each of our hearts that it is God who created us and designed us 
for a purpose. And I can look each one of us with utmost confidence and say that God created you and designed you for a purpose. You are not an accident. You are not a meaningless object in God's infinite worlds. Each one of us have been designed and created with meaning and purpose. And God has determined that. And therefore it's important for us, each one of us to connect, to have a relationship, to have a connection with God our creator. To discover life's meaning and purpose. To understand and align ourselves to our true north. And outside of that, outside of a relationship, a personal relationship with God, there is a sense of hopelessness. There is a sense of purposelessness. There is a lack of meaning to our existence. And so we need this relationship with God to discover life's meaning and purpose. But here is the problem which many of us may fail to recognize that there is actually a disconnect in our lives. There is actually an absence of relationship with our Creator God because of sin, because of our wrongdoing, because of our own ungodly ways. Because our Creator God, in as much as He is the one who designed us and created us for purpose, He is also a God who is infinitely holy. Pure, absolute, perfect. And sin has no access into his presence. Sin cannot stand in his presence. And it's sin, our wrongdoing, our wickedness, that becomes a hindrance from, for each one of us with connecting with God, relating to him and discovering meaning and purpose. And therefore, because of this lack of connection with God, we end, end up moving in to wrong purposes and wrong pursuits. So all the many of us try to find meaning, try to find purpose, trying to connect back with God who can then anchor us and who can then give us direction, meaning and purpose. There is this invisible barrier that keeps us away from relating and knowing and understanding the living God. And this is where the message of the Bible helps us understand that God took and God takes the initiative to reach out to you and me. That God sent His Son Jesus Christ into this world to remove this barrier of sin and to make it possible for each one of us to come into a personal relationship with our Creator God. And Jesus Christ did that by taking upon Himself the penalty of our sins. He died on the cross He took upon himself the penalty of our sins so that this barrier of sin could be removed out of the way because our sins could now be forgiven. Our sins could now be absolved and removed out of the way and it could be possible for us to enter in to this relationship with the living God. And out of that relationship, God then releases his purpose and grace to each one of us in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us, and I make reference to one verse of scripture in 2 Timothy in chapter 1 verse 9, that God saves us, He calls us according to His own purpose and grace which is given to us in Jesus. God releases His purpose and grace. Grace is His empowering upon our lives. And these come into our lives through the person of Jesus Christ. So this morning, there could be some of us here who are saying, you know, I need 
to get a sense of direction. I need to get meaning for my life. I want to understand my true north, where I should be headed. And I want to just present to you and me what the, what the Bible says, that purpose and grace is given to us in Jesus Christ. And so if there's anyone here this morning, and you've never come to Jesus and said, Lord Jesus, I want to receive purpose. I want to receive this grace. But I know it only begins when I enter into a personal relationship with the living God. And it is you who can forgive my sin. It's you who can bring me into that relationship. And I want it, Jesus. Can you do it for me? Can you do it in my life? If you've never done that, then I want to urge you and I want to invite you to do that. Some of us may have started right, but along the journey, we may have deviated, of course. Gone gone into things that are not necessarily aligned to the true north. Bill George, in his uh, book on leadership, Discover Your True North, which many people consider a classic, he identifies several things that tend to move people away from their true north. Things like losing touch with reality, rejecting honest criticism and people speak into your life. Sometimes it's the fear of failure. Sometimes it's just distancing from people who can actually influence you. Sometimes it's craving success so much that you put your network above your self-worth and you just get taken away into a wrong direction. In fact, he warns leaders, people who have influence and places of influence against being loners, trying to make it all alone because you do need people to keep you on course. Against being imposters, trying to fool other people because in the end you're going to be found out. Against being glory seekers, Thinking that money, fame and power is what makes you successful. Or being rationalizers, failing to take responsibility for your own failure. Or just desiring to be shooting stars, just trying to get to your end no matter what the means. Because all of these attitudes would cause us to deviate from our true north. And I wonder if there are any of us as believers, as people who believe in Jesus. Maybe we started off right, but today you say, you know... I may have deviated from God's call, from God's word, or from the leading of God's spirit in my life. And the voice of his word and the voice of his spirit have become so dull that and I'm just going my own way because of one or more of these reasons we've just talked about. This morning could be an opportunity for each one of us just to come back to God and say, God, I want my life to stay aligned to your true north. Your call on my life, your word for my life, and the leading of your spirit for my life. I want to stay aligned to true north for my life. We're going to take some time to pray right now. And uh, if you don't mind, could we just bow our heads in a few moments of prayer. If there's anyone here this morning and you say, at this very moment, if you were to ask me if I have discovered meaning or purpose, or if my life is filled with hope, I would honestly admit that these things are lacking. If there's anyone here And as you look into your own life, you honestly admit there is a lack of purpose, meaning, and direction. And if you feel in your heart that you really want to connect with God and receive purpose and receive empowering to fulfill that purpose, I want to invite you to ask Jesus Christ into your life. Ask Him to forgive your sin. To bring you into a relationship with God. 
and to impart to you meaning, purpose, and direction. And if you'd like to do it this morning, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. And if you'd like to pray with me, then you could say these words. Just repeat this after me, please. Lord Jesus, I need meaning. I need purpose in my life. I am a sinner. Forgive my sins and make me a child of God. Come into my life. Give me meaning, purpose and direction. Align my life to your true north for my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Let's just pray. I just want us to lead, I want to lead us into just one more prayer. Could you just pray with me, please? If there are people here this morning, you're a believer, you love Jesus, but you're not sure if your life is aligned to God's true north for your life. It simply is your life being aligned to God's call, your life being aligned to God's word, and your life being aligned to the work of God's spirit. If you're not sure about that, would you just pray out of your, in your own heart right now and say, God, could you align my life to your true north for me? I want to walk according to your call, your will, your plan, your purpose, your design. I want to walk according to your written words. I want to walk according to the leading of your Holy Spirit. Could you align my life? And as you do that, as you yield yourself to that, I believe God's going to begin to align your life. He's going to bring you into alignment to his direction, his purpose, his design for your life. And so, Holy Spirit, I just welcome you this morning. We just welcome you, God, to speak plans, speak your plans, your purposes, your direction into each of our lives. And we ask that each one of us will stay aligned to your true north for our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.